Hi there. Thanks for joining me today. I'm speaking with Lori Hellman. She hails from Indiana and is a proud autism warrior mom who recently wrote a memoir documenting the journey her family has been on since her 16-year-old son, Skylar, was diagnosed with autism in 2006. I am so happy to have met yet another powerful advocate, and I hope that you enjoy listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, we kindly request that you rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts and share us with a friend. That's how we make our voice stronger. Thanks for listening. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash myautismtribe. Welcome to My Autism Tribe, a community of advocates that are linked by autism but bound by strength. This is a time to find our sounding board and shoulders that help us carry life's load without the fear of criticism. We give and receive. We nurture and empower. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Lori Hellman has spent the last 14 years fiercely navigating through therapies, medications, and countless other medical and personal challenges with her son, all while continuing to fight for and be the voice for other families with a loved one on the autism spectrum. She also has a 14-year-old neurotypical daughter who is just now starting to express that being a sibling of autism is not for the weak because it means that every day is a whirlwind and you never know what to expect. Most recently, Lori started a podcast called Living the Sky Life to further document and bring a voice to the often unspoken struggles that families with special needs children and specifically teenagers face day to day. Let's welcome Lori. Hi, Lori. Hello, Susan. How are you? I'm great. I am really excited to have you on this pod because I feel like, you know, we've talked offline and then I had uh, the opportunity to be on your podcast several weeks ago, I guess. I think you're releasing it next week. So I'm a little scared to hear what... (laughs) It's always hard to listen to yourself, you know? But I'm just really excited for you to be on this podcast because you're such a powerhouse and like most advocates out there and you truly do have a phenomenal story and I just can't wait for everyone to listen to it. Well, thanks. Yeah, so you have a beautiful son. I call him baby boy. I know he's 16 years old, but they're always our babies, right? He's still a baby, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Skylar, who is so cute. And um, why don't you share with everyone a little bit about how the word autism came into your all's lives? Yeah, um, it actually is similar to probably a lot of families. Um, Our diagnosis officially came at the age of three, um, but prior to that, he... um he was born with pretty severe hypotonia or low muscle tone. Um, you know, the, the picture that I always paint for people is um, one of his favorite toys that we had uh, was the Johnny Jumper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, hang in the door frame and they just kind of bounce up and down. He was like a little rag doll. He just hung um, forward in it. Um, he loved being in it. Drooled on himself. I mean, it was just, it was crazy yeah. how little he could do on his own. Um, so at like eight months, the pediatrician uh, suggested that we do first steps of Indiana. Um, back then, that's what it was called, uh, with PT and OT to start with in our house. And they kind of made some comments here and there, just 
that although he had low muscle tone, he just didn't seem to be developing, you know, like he should. So mm-hmm. we were on the dreaded waiting lists for a diagnosis um, of autism for probably a year and a half, I think. I called um, up at, it was the Christine um, Sarkeen uh, Autism Center up at Riley Children's Hospital in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And they um, told us it would be about a, a year and a half wait list um, at the age of two. I know it was terrible. Um, but kind of ironically, I guess, in the meantime, at the age of two, he started having seizures. Oh. And we had no idea what that was all about. Um, I'll never forget, he uh, was giving a bath to him before bed. And I took him out of the tub and was drying him off like normal. And he just kind of spaced off. And I mean, I don't know how to describe it other than that. I mean, he just was gone and he started turning blue. Oh, gosh. So I instantly thought, oh my gosh, he choked on something in the bathtub that I didn't see. Or so I started, you know, scooping his mouth and trying everything I could. And I screamed for my husband at the time. Um, to uh, call an ambulance and they came and there really wasn't much we could do because within, you know, about 30 seconds, it seemed like a year, but like 30 seconds, he just kind of snapped out of it. Um, So that proceeded to be a two year battle with seizures. Um, At least once a month, he would have those episodes. So the neurologist uh, is the first person at like two and a half that told us pretty matter of factly that he had autism. Yeah. And we're like, what? <laughs> like, what does it have to do with seizures? You know, what does it have to do with any of this? Sure. And he's like, you know, I, w- I would definitely get a diagnosis. And I told him we were on the wait list, but I don't know. I was just shocked at how matter of factly he's like, he's definitely has autism. And then he gave me the list of some parents to call. And it was a really um, grim prognosis. It was, I talk about it in the book a lot um, that I wrote because he just, at that point, it's two and a half, he said, you know, he'll, he'll never live on his own. You know, you probably want to call some of the schools that we have here in Louisville, um, you know, and talk to them about placements. I mean, he was essentially saying that we should, you know, at his middle school age or, or so, institutionalize him because he's uh. never going to be able to do anything. I hate when they do that because it's like they provide no hope at all. And I I feel like that's kind of changed a little bit, like Mm -hmm. kind of fast forward, you know, several Mm -hmm. years, because this was kind of like in 2006 ish when Mm -hmm. when they said that. Huh? Yep. Yes, it was crazy. Um, But, you know, we did get our official diagnosis uh, when he was three. And and that changed a lot of things as far as services. Um, You know, that PDD NOS diagnosis gets you nowhere with preschools and um, you just even having therapists come in and work with him, like PTs and speech therapists at school. They couldn't. They couldn't fund any of that, the school said, until we had an official diagnosis warranting that. Sure. Wow. It was bad to get the diagnosis, but it was good (laughs) to finally, you know, get some services. Yeah. And that that was before they had the quote-unquote spectrum. So Mm -hmm. it was just the PDD-NOS. For anyone who doesn't know, that's pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified, which is like, what is that? (laughs) you know okay so 
Yeah. Um, so, and so going back to when you were giving him a bath and you pulled him out, and that was the first time that he had had a seizure and he turned blue. So, uh-huh. did were his seizures? Did it? He he lost breath with them. Yeah, he just. I mean, it was the it was the strangest thing, and um, I can't. The name is escaping me right now. The type of seizures that he had. He didn't um, convulse or any of that. He just would completely like freeze in place, and the area around his mouth and his face would get a blue color, and there was nothing. That's the most helpless feeling oh, because yeah. there's nothing you can do I could rock him I could you know smack his back I could do all these things but it doesn't bring them back any quicker and I mean it's a split second and you know 10 15 20 seconds at the most probably but he just had them and there were really no signs of or triggers of when it was going to happen yeah you know we'd be driving in the car and I'd look over at him and he'd be turning blue and spacing out and so we'd pull over and I'd grab him out of his car seat and just hold on to him. I mean, it was just crazy. And it had to be scary for him too, I would mm -hmm. think, you know? Yes. And then at age four, he just kind of, we started tapering his medicines off Mm -hmm. and it went away. Wow. Thank God for that. (laughs) As quickly as it came, it left. So... So was he having any other kind of challenges with uh, eating or feeding? Like, did he have trouble? Did you nurse or bottle feed or anything like that? That's when um, I kind of recognized that the hypotonia was throughout his whole body. I tried to nurse. He was my first child. Of course, I had all these plans. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to nurse for a year and do all these things. But he could latch on fine, but he had no facial muscles so he couldn't actually you know get any any milk so yeah that was a long process too of I mean just he was screaming because he was losing weight and here he's latching on so I thought he was eating and I thought he was fine and so we tried numerous formulas he projectile vomited all of those (laughs) oh bless his heart the poor little thing I mean head to toe nothing worked muscular so he just he struggled um and then you know with finger foods and stuff because his uh, fine motor was also pretty poor he kind of raked everything mm-hmm. he couldn't pincer grasp he still struggles to pincer grasp anything um but he, he did okay he wasn't that picky with food which was good that's so, awesome yeah. that's one <laughs> thing that i've struggled with i'm like oh my gosh Yeah, that's, I I always say that it's just kind of the worst thing ever. You know, Alex, he never really could latch. And like you said, I was completely, I was ready to go. That was the one thing probably that I was looking forward to the most in bonding with Alex um, was being able to breastfeed him. And I worked with lactation consultants. I mean, we were in there multiple times a week and I was trying so hard and I was beating myself up and all of just it's just this darkness that comes along with the crazy hormones you have and finally the doctor this was about a month after because I was having to supplement you know, because Alex just couldn't, he was just lazy. He was a lazy eater. And the doctor was like, Mama, it's okay. 
you know, you can go to the bottle, you can have formula, it's fine. And so it wasn't until the doctor said that it was fine, that I'm like, okay, I guess it's fine. So we just kind of moved on from there. But um, yeah, I feel like uh, as far as the pickiness and stuff, that's something that we've struggled with. And I'm so glad to hear that you guys didn't struggle so much with that. How is he doing today? Like, is he... Is he sitting at the table, and is he able to feed himself? He does sit at the table. Um, when we um, built our house, uh, we had a friend make a, a table for us that had a bench. Um, we we discovered a few years ago that he really likes going to restaurants, but only a couple specific restaurants where mm-hmm. they have booths, and we always have to have a booth, and he just squeals and gets so excited on the way there. Aww. So I tried to recreate that at home. Because he didn't like to sit in chairs. He just would sit down on the edge of the seat for a second, and then two seconds later, he'd stand right back up and walk around. So um, the bench has been a lifesaver because he slides right on it. We always sit on the same side of him, and you know. But I have to help him eat. Um, we're working on that. It's one of his goals in his ABA program mm-hmm. is um, more independence with dressing and feeding and all of those things and so I'll scoop up his food on the spoon and then set it back down on the plate he picks it up you know spoons it into his mouth and then taps with his finger like the plate like put some more on there oh <laughs> <Very demanding. laughs> well he's 16 so <laughs> yes, yes true so and it, he's very it's funny because you know not on purpose but you find yourself babying them because I've always done that I've always fed him I've always yeah you know done everything for him and so they it tells me that the programming at his program at ABA program is working mm-hmm. because now if I am in a hurry and I kind of catch myself I'll spoon his food up and I'll take it straight to his mouth and he pushes my hand away like no and then he taps the plate like put it down I'll do it myself oh good <laughs> I'm for like, him I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so awesome. Excuse me. I love it. That independence. Uh-huh. It's, so. it's so cool. Yeah, you make a great point, though, because a lot of people just don't get that we have this you know, because we we've seen them and the challenges that they experience when other people may not be able to see those challenges. So when you're in a restaurant setting, I can't tell you how many times that I, maybe this was just, I felt like people were watching, but you know, like why, why are you doing that for him or, and, and just not really knowing the whole story, but they're kind of going back they're always our baby so we want to make sure that they're taken care of so I feel like there are definitely some times where I've struggled with enabling Alex you know instead of letting him just kind of figure it out on his own yeah for sure I mean you know it's funny being at restaurants because sometimes those are the experiences we have too people are just kind of making faces like oh my gosh like that just that was ridiculous but then other times you know we were my husband and I were out for our anniversary last year and of course we had Skylar with us because he's always with us yeah (laughs) so we went out to dinner at a place that we knew he could have something to eat on the menu um but the booths were really close and um there was a booth like kind of at my shoulder level just up over you know over my shoulder a next section of the restaurant mm-hmm. and I didn't even see this couple 
um, really at all. I was just focused on my husband and Skylar and helping him and all of these things. And when we were getting ready to pay our bill and leave, the lady leaned over and she said, I'm so sorry. You know, I don't want to interrupt, but I just had to tell you, I've been watching you, you guys with your son and you are incredible with him. Aww. You're so patient. And, you know, it's just funny because I, I just do what I do and we all do as parents. We just do what our kids need and yeah. I don't think anything of it. But to have someone actually watching us and, you know, felt the need to comment and compliment us, it, it was nice for a change. Yeah. So someone not being judgmental in a bad way. Oh, know? my gosh. And you wonder if they have a story that they're just not sharing to, mm-hmm. like, you know, because I, I truly do feel like whether or not they have a loved one that's on the spectrum or not, maybe they know someone very dear to them that has a special need. So I feel like that level of empathy is just a lot higher than people that may not have experienced anything like that. For sure. So kudos to her. I know. It's nice. Yeah. Well, you made mention a bit ago that you said my husband at the time. Yeah. And so um, if we can touch a little bit on that, I, I've i been pretty open about how I'm a single parent, you know, now and mm-hmm. kind of the struggles and the challenges. Did you experience something like that yourself as well? Yeah. Um you know, we were married, uh, 10 years. We, we didn't have kids right away. Um, so the kids came along. Oh, let's see when, when I got divorced. Um, my daughter was three and Skylar was five. Um, so, you know, we were at the midpoint to tail end of our marriage. Um, mm-hmm. and they were so little, it just was a situation where I, um, I was independently parenting both of my kids really. Um, he just wasn't involved as much as I would have hoped that he would be. Mm-hmm. And um, he, he's just not an emotional guy, which is fine. I mean, not everybody is, but I just didn't feel, I couldn't talk to him about anything. You know, when the seizure started, I mean, here I am a just mess of a person, yeah. you know, just bawling because what what else do we have to, you know, go through with this poor kid? Yeah. Um, and he just, it was absent you know I just was not involved um and that kind of transfers into the to the present because um my husband now who is a godsend of a person uh, he was divine intervention I'm telling you (laughs) there's hope out there because (laughs) he is a phenomenal person um he actually adopted Skylar um earlier this year (gasps) that's awesome Skylar's dad yep and Skylar is thrilled he likes him better than me (laughs) 90% of the time. So, um, but yeah, it's just, you know, we still co-parent obviously with my daughter and and it's fine. It's just the normal exchange of items when we need to. And, um, you know, we don't really have to communicate that much, especially now with Skylar not being really part of his world anymore. So, um, you know, it's for the best of the kids. That's, that's the bottom line and all of us I think came out better on the other side at least the kids and I yeah (laughs) so (laughs) that's awesome well Mm -hmm. it sounds like your husband now is a godsend and uh, probably just the most patient person especially if Skylar likes him 90% more (laughs) of the time than you he wrestles and he Oh, like the stupidest songs that can 
handle my daughter and I roll our eyes all the time like really <laughs> he about all the food he's I mean it's it's kind of ridiculous but he can get Skylar cackle, cackling you know over nothing so that's so I'll cool that's so cool <laughs> yeah. yep well so your daughter who is 14 mm-hmm. I know that and I've heard Alex is the only child, but I've heard that, you know, an autism sibling can be kind of challenging. And I have no personal experience with that. So your daughter, her name is Kendall, did you uh-huh. say? What yeah. What is, so she's 14, she's able to express herself a little more. What is she saying these days? Well, you know, and I, since I just posted about that um on the podcast yesterday I just did a solo one because you know this is a great outlet I guess for your feelings if yeah you want to be public about them sure yeah <laughs> I'm trying to be a little more open um you know for years and years um we have asked her I you know we like we talk which everyone will hear on your episode on my podcast <laughs> coming up but um just talk about education and books and all of those things for kids on the spectrum and their siblings, um, and there really wasn't much. I mean, there were a couple books that were kind of terrible that I uh, went through with her when she was younger, Um, but I've always checked in. I I mean, I've always made it a top priority to make sure that she is included in everything, and she is the, you know, only person that does a lot of things with me where her brother isn't tagging along or whatever so that she doesn't feel like everything revolves around autism. Yeah. And she's always been very adamant that um, some of the anxiety and teenage depression stuff that she's kind of going through at this time um, has nothing to do with her brother, nothing to do with autism. It's just her own personal stuff. Sure. Being a teenage girl. And um, she recently just said that um, it's, about her brother, a lot of it, you know, and oh. part of me is like, okay, is that really the truth or is that just kind of the easy out because he can't speak for himself? So it's easy to just blame him for the world's problems, you know, Yeah. in your 14 year old world, everything revolves around him and how horrible little brother he is and all that stuff. Um, so it's, it's hard because we've all had to do a little bit of soul searching, like, okay, you know, maybe I've been not the greatest mom to her I don't think Mm -hmm. so but you know of course you feel like you've been a complete failure to your neurotypical child because everything revolves around your special needs child so I I don't know that's that's been the hardest pill to swallow lately well I don't think you're a terrible mom (laughs) well you know you just are like you try to be everything to everyone and you think you're doing a great job and then you get a little smack in the back of the head of reality when you know one of your children tells you otherwise so I'm well just trying to figure all that out <laughs> there's also the 14 year old hormones you know yes. as well that's a tough age it really yeah. is man 14 you could yeah. you cannot pay me enough to go back to those days <laughs> I know and I try to tell her you know it's normal I, I I went through it too I was a teenage girl at one time I know it's hard to believe <laughs> but I was and um you know it's just but I think she's starting to now maybe be embarrassed if he's with us somewhere. You know, here we think at her dance competitions and stuff that my husband will bring to the local ones. My husband will bring Skylar in his um, awesome stroller that we have for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll, they'll stand in the back and, you know, watch her perform and talk to her and stuff. And 
we think we're doing the right thing because they want to be there that he wants to see everything. Yeah. But I'm like, now I need to ask her permission and say, is it okay? Do you, do you want your brother there or do you not? Which makes me sad too, because you know, he wants to be there, but if she's embarrassed by him, then I don't want her to feel any kind of way, you know, with him there. So it's a, it's a struggle. Yeah, it is. And I think that will most definitely change. I remember, you know, I, I still feel bad to this day when I told my dad in middle school that I wanted him to start dropping me off behind the building of the school (laughs) instead of the front. I still feel bad to this day. But you know, fast forward a few years later, and I was like, he's fine. You know, my dad's cool. Um, Yeah, so just I totally can empathize with that. Um, Why don't you share a little bit about, you know, you've made mention of the podcast, you also wrote a memoir. And um, I know I'm throwing a bunch of stuff out there. You've had the podcast and the memoir. And then um, the photo, if everyone wants to look at the podcast art, you have got this awesome tat woman on your arm <laughs> that um, is is kind of giving your son a high five. Um, and so why don't you share kind of what, what you're doing from the advocacy standpoint? Yeah, I, um, you know, people have told me over the years when I share stories with them about, you know, things Skylar does or just whatever crazy things go on in our life. And um, they're like, gosh, you should write a book. And I'm like, ah, you know, and I, yeah. I thought about it for a really long time. And I actually started another book um, prior to this one, just about my childhood and dysfunctional childhood, like probably a lot of people had and um, just writing about that. But it just didn't it wasn't flowing at the time. I just kind of kept putting it aside. And then I thought, you know, this is kind of my life. This is what I do all the time. It's Mm -hmm. autism. It's always about autism. And so I just kind of started writing and it, it wrote itself. It wrote very quickly. So it's just, it starts from the beginning, you know, of the diagnosis and goes through all of the therapies we've tried. I mean, being that he's 16, we've been through a lot of medications and, you know, certain doctors that we were told we needed to have and therapies we needed to try and all of those things. And then I talk in there about my daughter and just being a sibling with a special needs, you know, brother and what it's like. Um, and just, I don't know, just our life, really, the title of the book, unless the uh, publisher changes it. (laughs) It's in publishing process right now, so I'm not sure what they'll change, but it's called Welcome to My Life, um, because that's exactly what it is. It's an open door to our everyday that we go through. So, so yeah, so hopefully it'll be out in the spring of next year. So Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Are you doing a pre-order of the books or? Yeah, I think that's what they'll do. Yeah. Um, the publisher's awesome. It's going to be published with Silver Tree Publishing. And I know there are a few books ahead of mine. So that's um, why the spring release. So yeah, yep, I will keep everybody posted on when it's going to launch. Sweet. And yeah. so the podcast is something that's fairly new, uh, Living yeah. the Sky Life. Share with everyone about how that got started and what you talk about. Well, I was inspired by you and what? my friend Melinda that has Sons the Sugarcoat and yeah. all of the podcasts that I, I love podcasts and I was listening to a bunch of them and um, I thought, gosh, I wonder if there are any 
most of the ones. I don't know why I haven't looked this up before. And I found all of you guys, and you were so inspiring. I, I just I love that we have the the avenue now to be able to talk to people all over the country yeah. about the same thing. I mean, there, you know, before the internet, and <laughs> I joke about that in the book too. I mean, obviously, when I did my research about autism when he was diagnosed, there really was we were just short of dial up at that point, <laughs> so there wasn't Google or any of those things. But yeah. um, just now knowing that we can connect with each other. You know, the, those of us with, uh, you know, teenagers and adults, and we can hopefully be supportive and, and helpful to the parents with younger children, like Alex, you know, yeah. and just share advice with each other. So I started mine, um, you know, a few months back to try to also get into the teenage and adult years and try to find those people <laughs> that are out yeah. there that are quiet um, because they've navigated this road already and you know I was I would love to get some ideas from them about what the future holds yeah for someone like Skylar who's you know going to be 22 before long and you know aging out of the programs that he's in sure that's a scary thing it is very scary yeah I had my niece Kennedy on an episode um she's on the autism spectrum and is 14 and you know, I've watched her grow up and she has had some challenges navigating, you know, and now that she's 14, like your daughter, you know, those are just, just freakish times any, anyway. And then there's add to that social media pressures and things, you know, so it's a tough world to navigate. So the people listening to your podcast can not only be parents and advocates, but also just the self advocates, my niece could listen to the podcast and just really just listen to other people's stories, which I think Mm -hmm. is so, so important just to even know that you're not alone. Yeah. And it's great because I'm sure you do as well. I learn something from every single guest that I have on Um, and every podcast I listen to, I learn a little pearl of something that I didn't know. So um, it's great. I love it. I'm just totally engulfed in the autism world more now than I thought I already was. um, (laughs) It's actually very, um, you know, just cathartic to know that I'm not alone. And that's, that's the hardest part is you feel like you're isolated in your house by yourself, you know, with all of the autism side effects, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, you got that right. Even I, I find comfort in knowing that even if I haven't met or spoken with every individual that is a part of my autism tribe, I still have this comfort that they're there, you know? And a lot of times I even kind of resist like choking up on on the podcast because I just don't know if people realize how much support they've given me just by listening. Mm -hmm. And that's just a truly powerful thing. And, um, and I've made mention like as the metaphor before that they've been my life jacket a lot of times, uh, just to kind of keep going on this crazy journey. Yep, absolutely. Well, Lori, I, you're right down the road from me. I know, that's crazier. (laughs) I know, I'm really excited about it. And it's, it's so cool to finally meet someone that has so much of 
my shared passions and stuff, but is also down the road. So we can meet up for, I, you're not a coffee drinker. You made that known. I am a coffee addict. Um, so, but maybe we can get together sometime over a, a cup of coffee or tea or water and bond some more. But I'm really just so, so happy that you're a part of my autism tribe now. Thanks. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be a part of it. And uh, I appreciate everything you've done to uh, advocate for all of our kids. Yeah. Well, if anyone, please, please, not if, but when you guys want to check Lori out, where, where can they find you online? Um, I am on <clears throat> Living the Sky Life on Instagram. I have a Facebook page, Living the Sky Life. Um, and I, I will send you the email address for Living the Sky Life. I can't remember all of the handles exactly. <laughs> sure. I know. It's a lot to keep up with. <laughs> but yes, I'm pretty much everywhere. So um, I would love to hear from, from people who can relate and help me with this sibling thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I'll also put all of this contact information and stuff in the show notes. So for anyone that wants to reach out to Lori, please do. She is absolutely amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, you take care. Have a great day. Keep up the great work, Lori. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. The roles of advocacy can have many forms, but all are very important. There are those of us who are talkers, those of us who are the silent giants working magic behind the scenes, but all of us who spend countless hours advocating for those we love, and some we have yet to meet. I'm so proud of each and every one of you for your dedication, for your heart, and for your support. Thanks for being a part of my autism tribe, and I'll see you next week.